0: But here at Connection, you can belong to a family. Yesterday, I was at the fall uh, festival. I was at the parade. (laughs) And I was watching my my two daughters were in a float. My wife was walking behind the float and she was passing out candy. So I was kind of alone until I met up with a couple more people from Connection and I got to watch the parade with. They just so happened to be watching my nieces. So we kind of, you know, was hanging out with them. And Uncle Matt wasn't in a car seat, so Uncle Matt could help get candy for the girls, and they thought that was a good thing. But I watched as people walked in the parade. I also, before that, I, I watched as people here, at our church yesterday, in what, in what was a very, some, we're selfish. Okay? We're selfish because we want, we want people to stay here, and when death happens, we can be very carnal, and we can be very selfish, and we want to hold on. And there were tears. Yesterday and the night before at the visitation. But I watched yesterday as, a, as some of the members of our family. See, the cool thing about family is this. It doesn't take everybody in the family to represent the family. Because everybody can't do everything. So there was family of connection that showed up. And there were six men of connection that wore jeans and a connection t-shirt. And were pallbearers yesterday. My mind cannot wrap, I laid in bed last night, I could not wrap my mind around what those people thought about jeans and a t-shirt. What? I even saw it to this extent. People would come by and they viewed the casket, they would say their regards to the family, and me and another pastor were standing right here. <laughs> You'll think this is funny if you're part of connection. A comical. They walked by, they walked by the, the pastor, shook his hand they got to me, and they're like, oh no, we bump. <laughs> and the pastor looks at me, he goes, and I'm like, it's a connection thing, he goes, I guess. <laughs> but over the last three weeks, we have been studying about family. Now, I know, I know, I know, no, this is not going to turn into anything extravagant, but we are going to extend this sermon series by one week, because I could not wrap everything that I want to talk about to today in one sermon. So we're going to end the month of October next week. Come be a part of us next week. Please, 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 please touch someone's life gift. We're taking face down. Big time, big deal, talking about family again. But the first week, the first sermon in my series, We Are Family. Okay, the video. We are, you guys are still, some of you I see, but I got to physically see We Are Family out there getting coffee this morning, in here talking with one another. People are not sticking around the same people that they always talk to. They're learning people's names. They're getting out and reaching other people. Number two, the second sermon, we, we talked about we are one family through baptism. If you were with us that day, that's the day that I had to remind some of these people that I baptized about no cannonballs. Because families look out for each other, right? I said, listen, dude, no cannonballs. And we talked about being one family through baptism, through our faith in our one God. Last week, we talked about we are one family through fellowship. And we talked about the week prior when we had had a meal, and we we had been involved in each other's houses. And this Sunday, or this week, I saw a fellowship of people with con- out of connection outside of this church. And I'm like, "Yep, I go to that church." Uh huh. And I saw you guys dig in. To a real world that's hurting and you said okay I may hurt sometimes too but I know where we can go I know who I have friends in I know who's going to put their arm around me if I'm in trouble that's what family does this morning and next week we're going to be talking about this we are one family through our mission our mission our vision where we're going because the family goes together I'll never forget that we when we go on vacation as a as a family. Okay, we go to vacation as a family. There would be baseball games or something. I would say, Mom and Dad, let me stay home with Grandma and Grandpa so I can play my baseball games. Yeah, that got just cut out. We go as a family. Okay, we're going as a family. Why do we talk about these things? Why do we talk about we are one family? Why do we talk about that we're one family through baptism, a mission, in fellowship? Why, why discuss these things? Why? Because to accomplish these things it's very difficult to do alone. You need partners. You need fellowship with people that are like you. And if they're not like you they at least they understand you. It's together. Connection is a very very special place. If you are not I talked with a guy this morning Now, this is going to be different. For those of you that do not attend Connection regularly, this is going to be different. Some pastors would fall over, just completely pass out if they were asked this question this morning before they got up to serve as as the sermon. This person comes up to me and said, Matt, do you need anything done today? I said, no, we have everything basically covered for this morning. We're waiting about 10 or 15 minutes. We're going to have service. I said, but there is another thing. It's on the external part of the property that I could use done this week. Are you available? Absolutely. You see, you see, you see this? The people volunteering the, their time, they're sacrificing their money, their gas. In a world that says don't, we have people that say we will. If you have not been involved with this family, if you have not been touched by this family, I encourage you, hang around these people. As a church body, we believe that we exist for a purpose. We're going to get to our mission, our, our existence statement in just a second. But these three things stand out to me. We do not, these are the do nots, we do not exist just to meet together. Sunday mornings, connect groups, they're not a check off. They're not a checklist. Oh, yeah, I went to church today. We do not want that to be like that. We're a family. Families get together on purpose. So we do not exist just to meet together. Number two, we do not exist just to make ourselves feel better. I'm guilty. Younger. I go to church, I feel better after church. It's something that I just have to do. Well, The problem with that is I knew that God was the right answer, but I wasn't going for the right reason. I wasn't going to fellowship. I wasn't, I wasn't going to grow. I was going because, well, I know God makes everything feel better. Okay, so There's a lot of people. Like that. We don't exist for that. Number three, we do not exist because we are not, we don't exist because we're against anybody. I'm going to share with you a couple things this morning that are very, 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 very important. We exist to be different. If you have your worship handout, it's a yellow piece of paper that you got when you were walking in the door. If you have on the outside of it, we're going to be looking right here. Underneath the word connection, bold letters, starts with we exist. We're going to look at that in just a second. And then if you flip open the open, the first, the first page, right in the middle there's some blanks you're going to fill in. We're going to fill in those in a little bit. But if you have your worship handout and if you don't, if, some, if you happen to get skipped or somebody didn't give them to you or whatever happened, look on the, look on the screen. You're going to see that existence statement right here. I want to read this too. You follow along in your worship handout or you look on the screen. We exist to connect with God's heart. There is very much intention on God's heart being first in this statement because He is to be first. And the hearts of others becoming friends with all people as we live and love like Jesus. Why? 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 I get asked all the time, regularly. I'm not joking. Why do you have to push the envelope and why do you have to have coffee and you have to have popcorn? Why? Why? There are people here this weekend, they looked in the kitchen, they go, is that a popcorn machine? I go, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> I wanted to say this, I refrained, but they said, why do you have that one in there? And I wanted to say because we can't fit a bigger one in there. But I didn't. I refrained and I said, this is, this is part of us having a relaxed and laid back and relevant environment. When you walk into a movie theater, you smell popcorn. I'm, mm, that's good. We exist to connect with God's heart. We believe that this is what God has called us to be and do. We believe this right here. We believe, nope, back up one. We believe that we exist to connect with God's heart and the hearts of others, becoming friends with all people as we live and love like Jesus. Some of you have heard that for seven years. And this morning, I hope it takes a different direction and there's a different, a different point that it hits you with. You're like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. If you have your worship hand out, we're going to get to it. Turn to your first page, right there. It's going to have the bolds. And there's a blank at the very bottom. Number one. We are to be people who connect with God. There is not any chance that that's not intentional. Our God that we serve, that we sing, Oh, happy day. God, I'm going to shout your name from the rooftops. Revelation song, worthy is the lamb. There is no doubt. We will not water that down. We will not go away from that. We honor God first. We seek to connect with God first. Number two, we are to be people who connect with others. I printed this out I put this in your worship handout so you can see the breakdown of this. I want you to seriously just digest every individual word in this statement. It is gigantically important in what we do. Number two, we are are to be people who connect with others. Every Sunday, every Sunday, every Sunday, there is our presentation. There's a presentation in what we do. We vacuum floors so it looks nice. We cook popcorn so it smells good. We have people that greet. Okay, we have all that, We have a band that gives us their time to make the music sound good, so we can connect with other people. Number three, we are to be people who live and love like Jesus. And I saw that this week. I did, and it, I'm telling you. It was unreal. I was watching people in the parade, and I'm like, wow. I just, In their little atmosphere in the parade, the joy that they're showing was bigger than what they were doing. And I'm like, somebody on the outside that doesn't know that person goes to Connection or wherever they go is going to see that there is something different about them. And they're going to probably have an opportunity to talk about that. The blank is on the next line. It says, this is what God has called Connection to do
1: Now, why do you say, why do we underline
0: connection, Matt? Why, why, why are we only talking about us? Shouldn't all churches do this? Listen close. We do not believe that every church should express their existence in the exact same way. Why? Because there's different people groups. So you have to remember, if you understand the, the vision, the target age of connection, 18 to 49... We're reaching people that other churches aren't. We're not against them. We're reaching a different group. What does the first part of the existence statement mean to connect with God's heart? How do we connect with God's heart? I could openly give you... I, I thought about doing this, and we don't have time, because I would get so many answers. Give you guys like little, little fill-in-the-blanks on the on the worship handout that you could hand in. But... My question would be, is this, how do we connect with God's heart? I just picked out a couple of them. We connect with God's heart, by the way, that we worship. Oh, here we go. Here comes from the old worship leader. He's going to get on to us about worshiping again. Listen, when you worship God, when you sing songs, God does not care if you can go on American Idol. Hear me, please. He does not care. Why do you think we play music loud? So you can't hear the person next to you sing. Everything's intentional. (laughs) Now, God doesn't care if you can go on American Idol. He doesn't. He doesn't. Some of us can't sing, but I watched watched a guy one time take take a stump that's this big and a chainsaw. And he made an eagle. I'd rather sing. I can't do that with a chainsaw. See, God has called us all to do different things. We worship. We have relationship with other people. This morning I saw people from Connection helping little kids. All these kids running around. If, if people, I'm not, I'm not joking about this because my kids are involved in this. My girls have like 30 different sets of aunts and uncles that don't come to any family reunions. They're literally, they've literally been adopted by a group of people. Watch what you're doing. You are impacting little lives that are going to grow up and they're going to see things that we can only dream of. Because when that happens, that becomes contagious. And that's all that they know and that's all they do. We connect to God's heart by worshiping, by relationship with others. We minister to each other. And we do community lovings. For those of you that have done community loving, they're coming up. I'll let you know. It's a time when we get together as a church and we go into the community and we do stuff that the world says there's no way you should do this. Why are you doing this? There's red flags that go up. If you've been involved with the gas giveaway, there's wrecks that almost happen at Jumpin' Jimmys. Why? Because everybody wants free gas. If connection is going to continue to work like it If God is going to continue to work like He has been in connection, we have got to do these three things. We have to continue. We must connect with God's heart. When the people of the Old Testament... See, I love love teaching out of the New Testament. There's a lot we can learn out of the Old Testament as well. Why? Because the Old Testament, the only thing it does is point to Christ. It It was just written before he got here. And the New Testament does the same thing. But in Jeremiah... Chapter 3, verse 15, we, we see these people, and they have some questions. And they're like, okay, God, we need help. Have you ever been here? God, we need, uh, in my current situation in life, God, I'm going to need some assistance. You ever prayed that prayer? I, see, I, see, I'm see. i not that uh, eloquent at speaking. Okay, you would say, I need help with my existence. I would say, God, help me, please. Loudly. I need it. I'm at my bottom. I can't see the light outside. I can't even look up. Jeremiah 3:15 and 16 says this. If you look on the screen, it says this when these people were having questions, God through Jeremiah says this, and I will give you shepherds after my own heart. Now, what? what, what, what? Shepherds. It's going to come into play in a little bit. Remember, this was written before Jesus. It was written a long time ago, but I'll give you shepherds. Why shepherds? Common people socially, not even the middle, low class. All they did was they were on animals and grass and they had a staff and they had to protect their sheep. They were in the country. They're just like these hermits. Shepherds after my own heart who will guide you with knowledge and understanding. In verse 16, it says this, and when your land is once more filled with people, says the Lord, you will no longer wish for the good old days. See, he God sees through Jeremiah these people are going through a time. And we've all been through times. Months, years. Years of addiction or hurt or pain or grief. Watch this. God is looking for leaders. He's talking about shepherds here. Shepherds will lead them. Number 1. God is looking for leaders seeking to connect with his heart. Here's my question. Are you leading? Will you lead? Will you help? Just like that guy that asked me before church, he didn't even know I was preaching on this. He said, Is there a way that I can help? <laughs> yes. Be careful when you ask me that question. Always answers yes. These leaders share knowledge and bring understanding of what God wants. If you are involved with a connect group, your connect group leader has studied material and his, all, his or her only job is to this. They are to lead you to better understanding. Getting, going to connect group is not just attending either. Going to a connect group is getting connected. If you don't think that we call them connect groups when our church name is Connection, yeah, that was intentional too. Our leaders provide this information for us to grow And the blessing of God will replace the experiences of the past. Matt, there's no way. My past is dark. My my past has pain. It has blood. It has sweat. It has tears. It has this. At Connection, we are not interested in your past. We are interested in where you're going. You're not going to hear that everywhere. But we seek to bring up people within our church that will take over the leadership of our church. We seek to put into these lives. If God is going to do something great with your life, then you must connect with God's heart. Whoa, whoa, too personal. <clears throat> I'm good with the church connecting with God's heart, but when you talk about, start talking about me, you bring the, the, the CH word in. You know, change that everyone loves. I went to a church last year. My dad was was preaching. It was 150 or 175 or 200 years. The church has been there for a long time. And I attended that church for a lot of years. Know a lot of the people. Have a lot of friends with with whom I got to see. I hadn't seen in 20 years and I got to see their, their family. When I talk about the ch word, it's still impacting people the way that it was 20 years ago. And I walked through the sanctuary, and I literally did this: I walked down the aisle and I said, "I can't sit here." So and so sits right there. And I didn't know if some of these people had passed away, and I wasn't being—I didn't—I didn't know. But I walked down two more rows and looked left, and I said, "I can't sit here." And I can't sit there, or there, or there, or there. And I had my wife with me, and she's like, you know, why why, why aren't we sitting in these places? And I said, watch. I said, so-and-so is going to come in from the the fellowship hall. They're going to sit right there. I hadn't been in this church in 20 years. So-and-so came out of the fellowship hall. They walked across the front, and they sat down right there. People hate change. They hate it. Why? Because it doesn't let them stay comfortable. Now, when you start talking about staying comfortable, there have been people of connection that have gotten involved with connection, and they come to me, and they said this, and listen, ever since I became a part of connection, it's like I don't even understand what the word comfortable is, because I never get to stay there. Good. Because when we stay outside of something that's comfortable, God is able to use us, stretch us, and grow us. I also see some of those same people that I could go up to right now and I could compliment them on how God is changing their life because they stay uncomfortable. It was told to me yesterday, some of the people, it feels a little different wearing jeans and a t-shirt to a funeral. I said, you have to understand, we're different. Well, some people are going to frown on this. I said, nope. I know the person that requested this and you don't want to mess with her. Change is not something that we deal well with. What can keep us from, from doing what connecting with God's heart? Check out on your worship handout. Watch this. We need to be careful. What will keep us from connecting with God's heart is the refusal to do what he wants, the refusal to change. I'm sure. Many of you have had the same encounter same conversation that I've had with God. God starts speaking to me through the things that I'm reading around the people that I'm around and He says, you should probably change the way that you do this. I don't think so. No, I'm really, I'm really okay with the way that I've been doing this since I was about, I don't know, six. I don't want to go here. I want to stay here. When we refuse to do what He wants... Keep us from connecting. It'll keep us from growing. It's restriction. God will speak to you about what he wants within your life. Some of you are out there going, I know, I know. God speaks to me about things I need to change. I know. God is constantly seeking to give us guidance. Listen, when Jesus left the earth and he left the 12 disciples, he said, listen, I'm going somewhere where you can't go. Jesus was going back to heaven. And and can you imagine these 12 guys? For the last three and a half years, they've been going around with Jesus everywhere. They ate with Jesus. They they slept in the same room with Jesus. They ministered to the same people. They went to the same places. They hung out close. And there was no video games or Facebook or PS4 to get in the way. They actually, I don't know, talked to one another. And they got real close. So when Jesus says, I'm going to go away, I'm going to go away, and I'm not gonna be here with you. These twelve dudes were going nuts. Who's gonna lead us? How are we gonna know what to do? What are you gonna They're gonna kill us all, Jesus. They're gonna kill us all. Jesus, before he ascends to heaven, he says, I'm gonna send you a helper. It's the Holy Spirit. And In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes on them and they're able to discern what God wants them to do. And as a result of this power, listen to me, not, not very long afterwards, we talked about it a couple weeks ago or last week, Peter gave the, a passionate... He went from being the, this outspoken disciple and cutting off ears of the, the guards that arrested Jesus to denying Christ to having some kind of fire put in him to stand up in the middle of Jerusalem anti-Jesus and preach a sermon that 3,000 people understood what he was talking about. See, he didn't refuse. It would have been easy. They, it would have been very easy for those 12 to refuse because what eventually happened? They all died. For their faith. 11 of them were executed. John the Baptist, or John, John, the, John the disciple, they, tried, they boiled him in oil. Oh, here's the good news. He survived. So they exiled him to the island of Patmos off Greece where he died. And he was, he was, it was theological people that think that study this, think that he was marred and he was mauled from, from having that happen to him, that he couldn't physically walk. And they, they said he probably laid by the church and preached and preached and preached and preached. See, when you get that fire, it doesn't get extinguished. We like to think that it can Oh, we put this in front of it, put this in front of it. we, we got to hide that. We can't be a Christian all the time. See, God is constantly seeking to give us guidance. Remember, we heard the word shepherds earlier. We're going to look at the book of Acts. Check out what God says about David. But God removed Saul and replaced him with David. Shepherd. We're not going to go into this, but you, do you see a little bit of validity in Scripture? Jeremiah talks about shepherds after God's own heart. All the way over in Acts, we read about him. It says, David, a man whom God said I have found, David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. What's this? He will do everything I want him to do. Do you know what kind of statement that is? When you include the word everything, usually the word comfort doesn't even come up in your vocabulary. Doing the things that we want to do over what God wants to do doesn't come up. It's tough. It's tough. That's why it is. That's why we have a family. I talked to, yeah, I talked to a guy Yesterday. And I was, just, I was texting him. You know, that's what us young people do. We just text. I just wasn't around him, okay? And I was talking to him, and I told him how much I appreciated him. And he said the same thing back. Now, in, in times where I don't feel like I'm important or I'm adequate enough, that's the time that God has taught me that I need, I need to do the encouraging. Because when I talked to him about that, he told me how God has changed his life and I, that I've helped. See, that, that was something that I needed to hear. That was a way that, that God says, oh, watch. This does not mean that David was perfect. In fact, if you read the Bible, David was convicted of adultery and murder, just, just off the top. Not not a perfect man yet. Yet, God says he is a man after my own heart. Are any of us perfect? Don't answer that. The answer is no. Okay, I'll help you. If you're looking for a perfect church, you did not come to one. It did not say he was perfect, but it said that he did what God wanted him to do. Look at the screen again at the at the existence statement. We exist to connect with God's heart. Watch this, and the hearts of others. How do we connect with others? Again, I could maybe you write something. You could hand it in. I'd be the teacher in me. I'm not going to do that. And I could have you raise your hand and tell. We don't have time. How do we connect with others? Some of you connect with others through email. Some of us through, through text message. Some of us through FaceTime if you, have, if you both have an iPhone. It's Facebook messages. It's talking to people. Getting them a cup of coffee. But when I sat down and I said, how do we connect with the hearts of others? We worship together. Some of the, I'm telling you, some of the coolest times I've ever seen in connection is just listening to this church and this band, sing to God. It connects. When we get together and serve the same purpose, you're gonna, it becomes like glue. How do I know that? I saw it yesterday. Remember? Shake hands, knuckles. And I'm like, yeah, I don't shake hands. Boom. He, he looks at me. And he looks at me again. And other people, bang, bang, bang. I'm like, hey, guys. You know what what that scent right here? They have something that is special at connection. We're just one church. We're not better than anybody. We've created an environment where people are together. And it showed like a spotlight yesterday. Look at your worship handout. If God is to do something great within connection that we must connect with the hearts of others. This is where community loving comes in. This is where the the person before church talked to me and he he said, hey, anything you need done, let me know. Awesome. He's just creating an environment that's cleaner for other people. Look on the screen at Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus, in 35, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area. I read this, I read verse 35 when I was studying this, and I just read it, I read it, I read it quickly. It was the second or the third time that I went back through it that this first line caught me. Watch. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area. He went to all of them. Convenient? No. When I was growing up, my grandparents lived, my dad's set of grandparents lived in Fairfield. My other set of grandparents lived in Mount Carmel. Okay. That's kind of convenient because I lived in Albion and they were 15 or 20 minutes each way. Until it became Thanksgiving and Christmas. And we had to go to both. Now, watch. If you go to one and you eat, like we eat at my house, you cannot possibly eat for two more days. But when you go to the other house, they expect you to, thank you. (laughs) We're related. (laughs) When you, go, when, you, when you go to one thing first and we go to the other one later and, and we get Christmas presents here and then we go here and sometimes... And it's silly, but sometimes we may get, we may get jealous So, Well, they open their presents first. Maybe they like them better than ours. It almost became... It was almost a competition. And that's not what it's about. Mary and I try to take that out of our relationship and we just divide them. But Thanksgiving one year... We're coming to Missouri. Thanksgiving one year, we're here in Illinois with my family. Jesus traveled to all the towns and the villages of that area. This is not convenient. He does not have a Segway or a Prius. He's traveling on Jerusalem cruisers. Those would be sandals. People ask me, they come in, they say, I don't have them on today. It's like... When I oh, worship, our worship leader, our pastor, he wears flip-flops to church. And I tell him, I said, I just want to be like Christ. <laughs> Thank you for those that are awake. <laughs> but he, he went around through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. Jesus went everywhere that was not convenient. When he went everywhere, but watch what he did. The same thing. He was always teaching. Where did he go? He went to the church. Why? that's where the people were. The people that he needed to associate with were at the churches. Why? Because he was going to absolutely take a wrecking ball to the entire Jewish tradition in dying on the cross, is why. He said, You've got to understand that I'm going to be the new way. I am the Messiah. Everything you've read in the Old Testament that you have, it's me. And they got hung up. They said, No, it's not. We know your dad is Joseph. You're from Nazareth. We know where you're from. And he goes, Huh? You ever try to say something to your kids and they don't get it? Or to your mate and they don't get it and you're just like, huh! you just get it? Can you imagine what Jesus felt? I'm the Messiah, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Messiah. No, you're not. You're from Nazareth. They couldn't get it. It wouldn't go through their head. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to the disciples, watch this, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask Him to send more workers into His field. God is looking for people who will see the needs of other people and connect with them. That's what we do. There's people in this church that God has grown to a point where nobody has to encourage them, nobody has to prod them, nobody has to ask them, they see a need and they meet it. And it's not about putting their name on a plaque on a wall saying, this is what I did. This is what church is to be here. If we, if we went back and dissected the whole, first, or the whole ninth chapter of Matthew, we talk about Jesus having compassion. Listen, watch this. In verses 1-8, through eight, He heals a paralyzed man. Never walked before. Verses 9 through 13. He calls Matthew. Time out. Er, we don't have time. Tax collector. Not good. Not good. My, grand, my great grandfather's name was Levi. That's why my parents named me Matthew. They also like this. Not that Matthew was a tax collector. Watch. Watch. 9 through 13. He calls Matthew a deceitful tax collector, he eats in his house. And when Jesus asked him to follow, Matthew said, yes. That's how I got my name. We named our daughter Lydia. If you look in scripture, Lydia was a seller and a merchant of purple fabric. But right past that, it says Lydia was a great worshiper of God. See, there are people in this chapter that Jesus hands on. So 9-13, through 13, He goes to a tax collector's house. They would not have exchanged Christmas cards with any Jews. Why? Because they were a Jew working for the Roman government, charging the Jews more money than they should. And the more money they charged, the more money they could keep because they would give the Roman government what they, what they desired. And anything over that, they could keep. That's why they were hated. 18 through 26 of chapter 9, Jesus heals a man's daughter and a sick woman. 27 through 34, he heals two blind men. But because he does that, he has a conflict with the Pharisees. In verse 35 through 38, he saw the crowds of people and he had compassion. See, that whole entire chapter of Matthew chapter 9 is Jesus being with his people and ministering to them. He's connecting with the hearts of other people. When Jesus works through you and you meet the needs in someone's life, whether that be a shoulder, whether that be a help up, whether that be 20 bucks, wash their car, whatever that is, when we seek to do that, life-changing experiences and life-changing growth will happen. How do I know that? I can give you the names of 30 people here. So you ask so and so about this situation in their life, ask you how God helped them. You ask somebody that I was involved with at one of the things that they had this weekend, you ask this person what this meant to them. When you meet the needs of other people and it's God's desire for you to help them, they experience life changing. My life is not the same as it was seven years ago. It's not. It's not. Many of you told me that. I appreciate that. I told told a person this morning, she said, your messages are getting really good. Better and better. I said, I only need to do this about 15,000 more times and I'll probably be alright. It doesn't just happen. But when we seek to connect with the hearts of other people and we use God to help us, it can bring life-changing results. There are people that don't do things they used to do in here. They don't talk like they used to talk. They don't trust God like they used to trust God. If you want God to do something great within your life, then you must connect with God's heart and the hearts of others. This is not an if or. It's not an if or. Jesus, Jesus doesn't say anywhere in the New Testament, well, if you love me, well, or, you know, or you know, just do whatever. That's not in there. Remember, I rebelled for seven years. Seven years gives you almost, you know, over 2,100 days to check out the Bible for any loopholes. There's not there. They're not there. If you want God to do something great within your life, then you must connect with God's heart and the hearts of others. In the book of Acts, we talked about Peter earlier. In the book of Acts, chapter 8, verse 21, Peter explains to another man why that man cannot be involved in what God is doing. He has to explain something. 8.21 You can have no part in this for your heart is not right with God. Hello, Sharp. This is in chapter 8. Peter received the Holy Spirit in chapter 2. Can we see a difference? <laughs> he, there, there is no beating around the bush in this verse. He's not saying that he's not important. He's not telling this man you can never be, never be a part of it. What he's telling him is this. If you want your life to change, you have to let God impact your life, connect with God's heart, and then connect with other people. It's not if or or. You can have no part in this for your heart is not right with God. Some people ask, how does this even match up with connection? All you say, come in, whoever you are, and we'll accept you and you can be part of our family. Peter's here saying, you can have no part in this for your heart is not listen." They haven't been taught yet. They come in, and it's us who have connected with God's heart that can immediately connect with that person. And they can show them the love of God in their life. That's all Jesus did for three years. In the ninth chapter of Matthew, he does it like every verse. He didn't stay comfortable. If connection is to do the things that God has for connection, connection cannot stay comfortable. And I see people with this growth. And it's awesome. People come up, you need any help? there are people that are here right now if you were sitting in your recliner at home and I said there needs to be something done can you come you would turn off the TV undo the recliner put on your shoes and drive from wherever you were to come here because you understand you connected with God's heart you said man I can help Matt and it's not just about me if anybody else had a need around you and they knew you you would just be like yeah I'm coming God is looking for those who have their hearts connected with His and who will be willing to connect with the hearts of others. Now next week we're going to go over the second half. That's why I couldn't, I couldn't put it all in there. At connection, we exist to connect with God's heart. Why? Because He has all the answers. We don't. We connect with God's heart and the hearts of others as we become friends with all people as we live and love like Jesus. There have been people that haven't necessarily taken shots, but they'll say off-the-wall things to me. you just let anybody come out there to church, wouldn't you? Yep. Well, if you knew what so-and-so that goes to your church did, oh, I don't care about what they did. We're not defined by our past. Let's get this. I can't believe that you let them come out there. And I'm often challenged with that, and I'm not joking about this. It's an opportunity for me to not get angry, but for me to explain why we do what we do. At Connection, we don't think every church should do it just like us. That would, in in all essence of everything, it would be boring. You couldn't go anywhere and learn from anybody different. We exist to connect with people. When those people come up to me, it's not my job to get angry. It's my job to inform them. And I... I can say this with a lot of confidence because I've seen it for seven years. And these people will ask me about connection and I said this. And this usually ends the conversation. Really. I said, I think, personally, that God has assembled a group of people that are involved themselves with connection that no matter what somebody has struggled with in the past or been through in the past, as soon as they walk through the door, there is probably at least one person in connection that can absolutely directly relate with them. Because they have allowed God to use their hurts. And they're like, wow. And I get to explain to these people we can minister to these people because we're willing to be real with one another. And that's not comfortable. It's not comfortable. But we exist. Now, did you take your worship handout? I want you to keep this somewhere where you can read it this week. Okay, read, read through this. We are to be a people who connect with God. If that's something that you have to work on, work on it. We have different levels of people from here to here, everywhere in between. Number two, we are to be people who connect with others. If that's something that is hard for you, work on that. Number three, we are to people who live in love like Jesus. Some of you are saying, that is going to be a little different. Because that's the hard one. You mean when this person says this to me, I don't get angry, upset, yell, scream? No. Ever thought they might have a bad day? Waitress or waiter gives you bad service. Everything they may have spilled, spilled a whole thing of plates about an hour before that. Guys, we exist as a church that has something special. I saw it all weekend. Many of you could share things that we saw. God is using you and you and you and you and people back there to create a family environment. If you're not involved with another church and you're a first-time visitor with us, you're our guest, you're part of our family, man, come on back, bring some more people next week. We're going to have face down. Face down is what we do for our Lord's Supper, communion, Eucharist, whatever you want to call it. We call it face down. Why? Because we're different talks about Abraham falling face down in front of God when we remember what Jesus did for us. And I just want to say thanks. It's a blessing to be a part of you. To worship with you as we connect with God. To live life together as we connect with others. And to come together so that we can all learn how to live in love like Jesus more. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for today. Thank you for the opportunity to come here. Thank you so much, God, that you are, you are making things real in people's lives. You are, you are making yourself known in ways that some of us have never seen. I ask, God, that we get a desire in us to not stay comfortable, but, God, to live how you want us to live, to connect with you, to connect with others, so we can live in love like Christ in our life. That people see a change in us. I ask you, God, give us a great day. Wherever we go and whatever we do. May we live in love like you. In your name we pray. Amen.